welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I just love worshiping God, and I love hearing you all sing. You guys do a great job. I love this theater because you guys just sound great in this theater, but it's true. We praise God. It's easy to praise God when things are going well, right? But uh, he's the same God in the mountain and the valley. Amen? And I know, I know, you know, as we're closing out 2023, by the way, if you don't know it, today is 123123, one, and, and I'm a numbers guy, so if you're going to nerd out like me, that's pretty cool, right? I saw in my notes here, it says 123123. One, but uh, as we close out the year, we think about that, and, and I think as we reflect back on 23, maybe there were some mountaintops, and maybe there were some valleys, but God was there through all it all of it. And uh, what I'm going to share here in a little bit as we get into our message, as I've talked about last week and uh, through Facebook and stuff, we're going to be sharing the vision that really God has for us in 2024. Um, I have been so excited about this message for about the last two weeks, and God's been telling me I can't preach it till today, so y'all are going to get it this morning. I hope you packed a lunch because we might be here a while now. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm just excited because, again, I, I think God's got some amazing things planned for this church. And uh, I'm glad to have you all here and be part of this as well. And guests that are here today too as well. I just think it's so cool. So uh, this is a time we go to prayer. And this is not just us politely pausing before we go on with the message. This is our opportunity to enter the throne room of the God of the universe. The one who created you. The one who knows everything about you. And so we take this very seriously. So on your Connected Celebrate, if you have something you need prayer for right now, even if it's a praise, you can take out your phone. You can text that number. Pray for and whatever the pray. If it's a mountain if it's a valley, whatever that is, and now is the time to do that. And as we pray together, we're taking all these requests, all these things that we've brought in with our hearts, and we're lifting them up to the God of the universe, and we're saying, thy will be done, not my will be done. And friends, nothing pleases the heart of God more than when his children come together in unity and pray that together. So as I pray, I'm going to ask that you would join me. God, I am so humbled to be standing up here this morning because of your grace, because of your love, because of your truth, because of your word. And, and God, it, it's always a, an interesting Sunday, you know, as we come off of Christmas and all of the joyous seasons, God, and you know my heart. I wish we'd just leave the lights up all year long because <laughs> I just don't want that to end. And, and God, I'd, again, looking back on this last day of 23, I, uh, I don't know what... We brought in the door today, but we're going to lift it up to you. We're going to thank you, God. We're going to, we're going to give you praise for the mountains, and we're going to praise you in the valleys. And I'm so grateful that we have a group of people in this room who know what it means to be committed to you. And that we're going to walk through this together. Even though we might not have the answers or the solutions, but we're going to join hands, and we're going to walk through these times together, God. God, we're so grateful for all the people that you brought here this last year, those who have joined us. God, we're so grateful for, for others who have gone on to heaven and now are with you, Lord. We, we remember them as well. And, and God, I, I'm excited for um, where we're going and uh, very grateful for where we've been, but more excited for where we're going and the vision that you have planned for us and that we would just continue to stay true to your word. We would follow your spirit, that we would join hand in hand with brothers and sisters and say, let's continue to help people meet Jesus. And how we do that is becoming more like Christ. 
We thank you for all of this. And we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. If you don't know what the words are going to be on the screen behind me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may have never heard of a man by the name of Fred Rainsbury, but I'm sure you've heard of another Fred, a guy by the name of Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. As you know, Mr. Rogers is one of the most successful TV shows in history, not just children's television shows. He became an iconic personality in popular culture and in the field of childhood development. And might I just add, he's a personal hero of mine. I grew up with Mr. Rogers. How many grew up with Mr. Rogers? Oh, man, I love that. But Mr. Rogers almost never happened if it wasn't for Fred Rainsbury. In his book, The Good Neighbor, which is a biography of Mr. Rogers, highly recommend it, one of my top ten books of the year for sure, Maxwell King tells a story that from 1954 to 1962, Fred Rogers was part of a mildly successful ch children's show called The Children's Corner. It ran on a news station, WQED, in Rogers' hometown of Pittsburgh. Many of the puppets from the land of make-believe actually have their origins in this show, The Children's Corner. However, Fred Rogers never appeared on camera. He was always behind the scene, bringing the voices and the movement and life to the puppets, who interacted with the host whose name was Josie Carey. When The Children's Corner ended in 1962, it may have been the end of Fred Rogers' TV career if it hadn't been for Fred Rainsbury. You see, Rainsbury had seen the children's corner, loved it, and offered Rogers an opportunity to produce a daily 15-minute program for children on the brand new Canadian Broadcasting Channel, or CBC. Rogers, of course, jumped at the opportunity, packed up his family, and moved to Toronto in 1963. Not only did the CBC provide Rogers with ample resources to produce a high-quality children's television show, but it also gave Rogers the freedom to shape the program to his unique vision. But it wasn't just the finances, the platform, and the faith in his vision that Rainsbury gave to Rogers. It would be a simple observation that would launch Mr. Rogers into the icon we now know. You see, during a public appearance, Rainsbury observed Rogers speaking directly with children. Rogers was, as we would all come to know, very kind, very patient, and lovingly spoke to children at their level. It was at that moment that Rainsbury told Rogers, I want you to be on camera. Now, Rogers at first was unsure of this, saying he was, always just did the puppets and the music, to which Rainsbury said, you could still do that as well, but I need you to be on camera. When Rogers hesitated, Rainsbury said a phrase that would not only change Fred Rogers' life, but would launch the icon that became Mr. Rogers. Listen to what Rainsbury said. I want you to look into the lens and just pretend that's a child you're speaking to on the other side. And for the next 40 years, Mr. Rogers did exactly that. Fred Rainsbury saw something in Fred Rogers that he didn't see in himself. 
And I'm so glad he did. And I'm so glad that he spoke up and he said something about that. Now, why do I tell you that? I just want to tell you, when I read that passage, it just grabbed me like few things have grabbed me before. And I realized the reason why I'm sharing this with you today is the reason why I am standing before you today is because so many people have believed in me, have spoken vision into me where I didn't necessarily see it. And as many of you know, and you've heard my story, if you've been part of Celebrate, I was a children's pastor up in Sioux Falls at a very great church. I loved it there. We were having a great time. It was awesome. But one day, we had the vision about planting churches and our vision about Celebrate Network planting churches. And, I, and I, you guys have heard me share this before if you've been part of Celebrate. I said, that's a great idea. That's awesome for someone else. <laughs> you see, I, I'm a children's pastor. That's what I'm called to do. And then there was a day, and I'll never forget it, I said, Jeff, we think you could lead one of these church plants. And you've heard me tell this story before, but I said, are you sure you got the right guy? <laughs> I never saw myself in that role, and then I got the greatest advice I've probably ever gotten in my life. I said, why don't you go home and ask your wife and see what she says? And Elaine said, Jeff, I think God's prepared you for this your entire life. And it was at that moment, we didn't know where, we didn't know when, but we put our hands up and we said, yes, God, we're going to follow you. And I love sharing that story with you because every time I do, I look out in this crowd and I see all these amazing faces and I just wonder what my life would have been like if I would have stayed comfortable where I was at, if I wouldn't have listened to those voices of people speaking into my life. Friends, I am so grateful that God allowed that. And here's why this is important. This is what we're going to talk about today. I want the same for every single one of you. God has a purpose and a plan that's so much bigger than you can ever see. And I hope that I can speak into your life and help you understand what God has that maybe you don't see in yourself. If you're a guest or joining us online, we're starting a series called Getting Back Into Shape. So glad that you're joining us. We're going to do this series, just so you know, throughout the entire month of January. And as you know, this is the time of year where everybody's trying to get back into physical shape, right? Gym memberships, all that stuff, their New Year's resolutions. Well, we care about your physical shape, and, and you should care about your physical shape too as well, but this series, we're going to talk about our spiritual shape and how are we spiritually fit because, friends, I, I'm, you're going to hear me say this a lot. I'm believing God for big things in 2024. There's some awesome things that are going to happen, and we're not going to wait for 2024. We're just going to jump into it today. You guys ready to jump in? All right, let's go. So we're going to turn to our Bibles to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. Also, there's a free app called YouVersion on any smartphone and device. You can download it right now. But I'm going to share from you this passage in Luke 10. And this is something that God put on my heart several months ago. And this is going to be a passage we're going to revisit quite often in 2024 because I believe this is the basis of the vision of what God is going to take us to in this community in 24. Starting in verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. A couple things I want to pull out this verse. The first one I wanted to point out to you is it says, Jesus appointed them. Notice there was no election. There was no popularity contest. There was no requirement for a bachelor's or master's degree. There was no edification or level of holiness. Jesus appointed them. What we know about these 72 is it was a very, can we use the word, eclectic group. 
There was former prostitutes in this group. There was uneducated, maybe illiterate fishermen in this group. There was tax, former tax collectors, political zealots, all the spectrum of people that you could possibly imagine were in part of this 72. Probably not the group maybe we would pick, but they're the ones that Jesus picked. Isn't it great that Jesus picks people that other people wouldn't pick? How many of you remember in elementary school when you would line up and you pick teams, right? And, and it'd be like, you picked teams. It's the worst thing for us. How many of you were like me and you were like picked dead last, right? Anybody else? Okay, right? Right? Everybody look right here. Jesus, you're number one. Jesus is number one draft pick. <laughs> if we're picking teams, Jesus is picking you first. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Here, here's the other thing that I want to show you about that. I, I've heard this phrase before. Maybe you've heard it. Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he called. Amen to that? Jesus qualifies those he has called. Here's the other thing that I pulled out from this verse. There's 72 people. Now, we know about the 12 apostles, and many scholars believe they were included in the 72. But that leaves 60 other people whose names we probably will never know this side of heaven. And also notice the fact, Jesus didn't go with these 72. He sent them ahead of him. Notice also it says, Jesus didn't send them out alone. He sent them out in pairs, two by two. Nobody goes alone. That's going to be very important later on. Don't miss that. So these 36 pairs went to these towns, and they were ahead of Jesus. Every town and place where Jesus was about to go, he sent one of these 36 pairs ahead of him. Now I'm going to say that again because I don't want you to miss that. Wherever Jesus was going to go, he sent these pairs ahead of him to prepare the way. To which I want to ask you, again, you don't have to raise your hands, just ask in your heart. Do you want to see Jesus show up in your house? Do you want to see Jesus show up in your neighborhood? Do you want to see Jesus at your job? Do you want to see Jesus show up in your friend group? Jesus is calling you to prepare the way. Jesus wants to come there as well. But look at what happens in verse 2. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's a myth that exists in our culture today that says people don't want to hear about Jesus. But Barna Research shows us just this past year, 71% of people in the United States of America have a positive opinion of Jesus. Did you catch that, church? Seven out of ten people that you know at work, in your neighborhood, at school, have a positive opinion of Jesus. If that's the case, why isn't every church in Yankton full? <laughs> and we're going to talk about that. Because there's a gap between what people see about Jesus and what they see lived out by Jesus' followers. The harvest is plentiful. It's the same as it was in Jesus' time as it is today. But the problem that Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's a plentiful harvest, but the workers are few. Why is that? Well, I want to share with you one other stat from Barna Research that I just, it just floors me every time I hear this. 41% of pastors in the United States of America said that in the last 12 months, they have considered quitting the ministry. 41% of pastors have considered. I'm not saying, like, I'm going to go find a different church. I'm saying considered quitting the ministry. Like, I'm going to go work at Walmart. I don't want to have anything to do with ministry anymore. If that is not a crisis of epidemic proportions, we need to wake up as churches. Why do you suppose that is? 
I have a thought. Would you like to hear it? You're going to hear it anyway. <laughs> the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Here's, here's what is said by that, but it's, not, it's implied, but it's not necessarily stated. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That means the takers are many. I don't know how it's happened, but somehow along the way in the United States of America, going to church became less about serving and working and becoming a part of God's kingdom and more about sitting and taking. Feed me, serve me, do for me, give me, 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 me. But Jesus said the workers are few. You know the difference between a taker and a worker? See, when I go to a job and I'm there to work, I have a specific assignment that I need to carry out. When I go to work, I submit myself to my employer and I listen to what they say and I fulfill their roles. When I'm at work, my focus is based on what my employer is calling me to do. When I go to work, I take care of my own needs and my own self before I go to work so I don't have to take away from the time on my job to do personal things. You with me, church? This is why I think the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And just as it was in Jesus' days, the takers are many. So what do we do about this? What, what, what's the answer for this? For 41% of pastors in this country, they want to quit. They want to walk away and say, it's not worth it anymore. That's not this pastor. <laughs> it fires me up because I believe. What, absolutely. What do we do? Do I try to manipulate you and, and use emotional time? Do I, do I make you feel guilty? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what Jesus said. Let's look at the rest of verse 2. What does Jesus say when it comes to this problem? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. About three months ago, God showed me this verse, and he lit it up for me in a way he's never lit it up before, and he says, Jeff, ask me. I will raise up workers for my harvest field. Friends, God cares more about people knowing him than I ever will and you and I ever will. He is calling us to pray and get on our knees and be broken before him and saying, God, raise up the workers because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And I want to show you the first word of verse 3. After Jesus gives this command to the 72, he's sending out, look at the one word that Jesus says in verse 3, go. <laughs> That's the command. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, the takers are many. Ask the Lord of the harvest to raise up his workers and then go and get to work. <laughs> so where does that take us? On your note sheets, I'm going to give you what is the difference between a taker and a worker. And again, if you want to write this down, if you want to text yourself on your phone, that's a great way to do this. But this is a personal test. Here's the thing I'll say about this. There's no throwing elbows. There's no pointing fingers right here. This is a personal test that I'd like each one of us to take. Am I a taker or am I a worker? Because that's what Jesus says. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few, which means the takers are many. So when it comes to a taker, here's the first thing that a taker does. A taker complains. That's what a taker does. There's a story that's pretty famous, maybe you've heard it before, about four characters. The four characters in the story are everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Who's heard the story before, all right? It's, it's a good one. 
There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry because it was everybody's job, but everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized everybody wouldn't do it. Everybody blamed somebody, and when nobody did anybody what anybody could have done. It's harder to read than it is to listen to, right? Anybody, everybody, somebody, nobody. You know what? Nobody in this church has those names. I haven't met them yet. Here's the thing. When it comes to being a taker, somebody should do it, and when it doesn't get done, they complain. That's what takers do. See, takers complain, but you know what a worker does? Instead of complaining, a worker prays. Again, look at the words of what Jesus said. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Ask the Lord, and he will provide his workers for his harvest. Friends, we need to pray for patience. I don't know about you, but I need to ask God for patience when it comes to other people sometimes, okay? And none of you, because I love all of you, and you're all perfect, right? But I'm sure there's people in your life that you say, God, I just need to have some more patience with this. We need to ask God for that. We need to pray and ask God for wisdom. We talked about this, the series before Christmas. How are you spending your time? As you're sitting down and making your New Year's resolutions and all those things this time of year, take an inventory of how you are spending your time and ask God for wisdom and how you are spending your time. Ask God how to see people the way Fred Rainsbury saw people. Because you never know when you're talking to the next Mr. Rogers. And just one simple observation, one simple encouragement can spark someone to a life of ministry, of bringing people to know Jesus. See, takers complain, but a worker prays. Here's another one. And this is going to get harder, by the way. <laughs> a taker tips. Now, what do I mean by that? Let me, let me give you an example. Um, for two and a half years, we met in a restaurant. I learned a ton about the restaurant business in the two and a half years we were in Cheers. And we all understand, most of us, I think, understand the idea of tipping. This is what I mean. You go to a restaurant, if the service is good, if the food is hot, if they gave you the right order, if the, the, the wait staff takes care of my knees, we give them a tip, right? And, and the average tip right now is about, it starts low, low at about 15%. So if you tip less than 15%, do better, okay? But it goes up from there, right? That's what a tip is. And if we don't like the food or if we don't like there, they didn't meet my needs, we, didn't, we, don't, we don't leave a tip. That's how we say that. Now, I, I struggle with that sometimes. So I think we should still pay people what they're worth. And, and by the way, just as we're, we're here, if you go out to eat and you pray before your meal, do me a huge favor. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Tip at least 20% no matter what the service is, okay? Because here's what you may not know. Every wait staff will tell you this, and I've heard it multiple times. If they go to a table and they see the people bow their heads and start to pray, they immediately go, oh, crud. I'm going to get a bad tip. That's the reputation of the church, okay? And I'm serious about that. Like, make sure you bless them. But, but here's the thing. This is what I'm saying this. When it comes to this idea of tipping, we've taken this and now we've applied it to God's church. L let me tell you what I'm thinking. If the message is good, 
If the music and the coffee are just right, if they take care of my needs, yeah, yeah, I'll give, I'll give a little tip. I'll, I'll give a little tip. Now, probably not 15%, all right? <laughs> that would, but that's what a tip is. You know what a taker does? A taker tips. You know what a worker does? You know where I'm going with this, celebrators. A worker ties. A taker tips, but a worker ties. Tithing is a discipline that says I am willing to support God's work doing by returning to him what is faithfully his, given it first and given it faithfully. Look at what God's word says. This is not my opinion. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. You've heard me say this many times in this church, friends. God wants that. That's God's desire for us to do that. And, and I'll tell you this, when we treat God's church like a restaurant, and we only tip when we get what we need, that's not being faithful to what God said. That's not being a worker, that's being a taker. And God has called us to be faithful in that. I find it interesting that in the federal tax rate, rates for 2023, if you're married filing jointly and making between 22000 and 89000 the average federal tax rate is going to be 12%. This is why I find that interesting. We allow our government <laughs> to take 12% of our income before we even see it, and we don't even think about it. Now, I want to be very clear on this. Jesus said we need to pay our taxes. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. All I'm wondering is what would happen if we trust God more than we trust our government. You've heard me say this multiple times. For the last hundred years in this country, the church has abdicated the care for social welfare, care for the disabled, to our government. And I just want to ask the question, how's that working for us? What would happen if God's people would actually take God's word seriously and faithfully tithe to their church? And, 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 and I just got to keep going on this, friends, because... I want to say this, and before I move on, I don't want to lose anybody here because I know money can be just a tough thing to go through. I'm going to say a couple things to you. The first thing I want to tell you is Elaine and I stopped tithing years ago. To which you might say, you're telling me to tithe. You're not, listen to what I'm saying. A tithe is 10% of your income. Okay? The first 10% I return to God. Elaine and I quit doing that years ago. We, we try to give more. And I don't say that to bring attention to myself. What I'm saying is I'm not going to stand up here and be a hypocrite and tell you something that I haven't been doing for, for years. It changes your life, friends. When you understand that everything you have belongs to God and you return to him, it's such a blessing to him to do that. And, and it's been such a blessing in my life too as well. The second thing that I have to say before we go on, and I want to tell you something. Before I tell you this... <laughs> I just want to let you know that God and I had an argument about this, okay? And, and I, don't want to, I don't want to share this with you. But this is what happened. And even this morning as I was going through this message the last time, I said to God, I don't want to say this. And God said, I didn't ask what you wanted. I said, I don't like you sometimes. That's how me and God talk sometimes. You guys okay with that? We have a God that we can argue with. Did you know that? You, you ready to hear what God, God wants you to hear, but I didn't necessarily want to share with you? During the month of December, and this is the last day of December, okay, and this is awesome, so you can be excited about this. During the la this is the month of December, this month has been one of the highest tithe and offering months in the history of our church. And I got one person excited about that. I'm, I'm, I mean, <laughs> oh, this is on, right? We're working, okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to say it again. I'll give you a chance. We're a church of grace. I know I talk fast sometimes, all right? 
The month of December was the highest tithe, one of the highest tithes and offering months in the history of this church. That's awesome. Praise God for that. And, and, and that counts back even, there was times when numerically we were even higher. God is doing something in this church right now. It's amazing. It's awesome. And I say that to celebrate, and I say it to thank you. Now do you want to hear why I didn't want to tell you? Because, like, that seems weird. Here's what happens. And, and please understand, I'm human. I'm struggling, too. I'm learning. Every time I've shared something like that, the next month, the tithes and offerings automatically drop. And I'm serious about it. And I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand that. And, and, and please know, I love you with all my heart, but sometimes I struggle. Because I'm like, geez, if I, maybe if I don't say anything. Because I, what I hope you don't think is, well, I guess they're okay. I guess I'm, you don't get it. I, I want you to hear that because, listen, I'm not standing up here because we're in need, okay? There's been seasons of our church where we've had plenty. There's been seasons of want. Right now, God is blessing us with a season of plenty, and I thank you for that. Please understand, if you are here today and you are not faithfully tithing, you are missing out. Stop tipping God and start tithing him. See, that's what a worker does. Workers, takers complain, workers pray. Takers tip, workers ties. Here's the last one that I'm going to give you. Takers worry. Do you know that we can create more problems than we have solutions for? The human mind is an incredible thing, and we can go in lots of different ways and worry about what are we going to do with this? How are we going to do that? What's that going to look like? What are we going to do? You know what a, you know what a worker does? A worker trusts. A taker worries, but a worker trusts. Can I just say, I don't have all the answers, but I know the one who does. And he is faithful in all that he does. This July, Elaine and I will have been in Yankton seven years. Oh my goodness, it's a quick trip. I feel like we just got here. And we've been here seven years. Every step along the way, God has been faithful. And if you've been part of Celebrate, you've heard our story multiple times about different ways. We're like, we don't know what's going to happen. And God's opened some tremendous doors. And it's amazing because a worker trusts. A taker worries. So which one are you? How'd you do with that test? And before you, uh, you get discouraged, I'm, I'm going to give you some encouragement, okay? So, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, the takers are money. What did Jesus say we're to do? We're to ask the Lord of the harvest to raise up his workers. And this is what I couldn't wait to share with you, why I couldn't wait to get out of bed this morning. You guys ready for it? When God grabbed me with this about two months ago, he made this very clear to me. And right now, in this church, just so you know, for the past several weeks, I have been praying for 200 people every single day. I have a list of names, and I go through, and I pray for them every single day. Some people are part of this church. If you're part of Celebrate, you're in this room, I've been praying for you, specifically. Some people are not part of our church. Some people are people that I know in the community that don't have a church home, and I've been praying, and here's what I've been praying. I've been asking God to say, God, you raise up the harvest. Because I believe that God cares more about people than I ever will. And I've been praying, and I've been praying for you, and I've been faithfully praying for you. And, and I just want to give you this, because it's kind of a working list. Sometimes it changes, right? Sometimes people come and people go. But this Wednesday, when I was finalizing this message, I went and I counted the list of people that I have in Yankton right now. Guess how many there was? <laughs> 72. Isn't that funny? 
I'm kind of a numbers guy. I think that was a little God wink. 72 people right now that I'm praying for. Please understand the rest of it. I want to tell you, I said 200. Here's what you need to understand. I have a list of blanks, and I pray for every blank space. You know why I pray for every blank space? Because that's somebody that I don't know yet. I believe with all my heart God wants to raise up 200 workers in Yankton. Not takers. 200 workers because the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. This is not a church growth strategy. This is I want people to meet Jesus. And I believe what God's word says, I believe what Jesus did, that he said you pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up the workers, the harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few. Here's where the vision comes in. I need your help. I got a lot of blank spaces. If you have someone in your life right now and they live within a 30-mile radius of Yankton, I want to add them to my list. If you have that Connected Celebrate number, you can go right now. You could text me their name. I want to start praying for them. Some of the people on my list, just so you know, some of the people on my list I'm praying for came from you. Because I have conversations with you all the time, and you say, oh, this person, and, and I say, oh, can I pray for them? Absolutely. I want to join with you in praying for them. I want to fill that list, not because I'm trying to fill a church, because I want people to meet Jesus. You with me, church? And, and just text me that name. And, and I believe that we could have that list of 200 people, because this is what God says. I want to join with you in praying for these people. Whoever those people are, I want to join with you as we pray every day and we lift them up. Because I believe the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. And if I pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up his workers, he's going to do that, and then my job is to go. Are you with me, church? Now, i got something else exciting. Is that enough? Matt? i got some exciting things to share. Our campground ministry has been awesome. And Ed and Lonnie Smith back, and Greg and Karen, I know you guys watch now, and we love you, we miss you. There's nothing like January snow that makes us really want to be in that campground very soon, right? But I, I'm going to speak specifically to our campground, and I sent out a message to them to make sure that they were watching today. Because as you know, this past summer, God has opened a door for us at that campground. And I'm believing 200 people in Yankton, I'm believing for 100 people in our campground. And just so you know, that list currently is at 49. The campground's already halfway there. Just so you know. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's okay. Yeah. Just so you know at that campground, I've said this before, there's uh, 330 sites at that campground. If you do the math, if you figure there's at least three people per site, that's about 1,000 people. That's a small community in South Dakota. Oh, and by the way, that's one campground in Yankton, South Dakota, where there's multiple campgrounds. But I tell you what, and I love this so much, and so I'm so excited. I can't wait for May to come around and we can go back there and start reaching more people because this is what happened. Ed and Lonnie were called by God. And they started coming here and they're being faithful coming here. And then they invited Greg and Karen to come with them. And we had a conversation. We said, I believe God has, can work at this campground. And this is what they decided. They decided they were going to be workers. Because I told them, and they can verify this, I told them, I said, listen, I can only show up and I can pray and I can preach. You guys got to do everything else. Because I've got a congregation in Yankton I got to take care of. And guess what they did? They decided they were going to be workers. They show up and they're there. And guess what? Like the second week we did it, I think, um, both of those couples were going to be gone. And I'm like, figure it out. <laughs> start asking people. Start figuring out. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful. The workers are for you. With me, church? What would it look like if there's 200 people in Yankton, 100 people at that campground that were workers that were following Jesus? Do you think that would change our community? I think it would, but that's where I need your help.
I, I, need, I need to have people so we can be praying for them. Now, if that's overwhelming to you, and I can understand how it could be, I'm going to make it real practical. And you're going to hear a lot about this this year, and so much so you're going to get sick of me here and saying this. The key to all of this is going to be, number one, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to pray for these people. But the second thing is going to be our life groups. And uh, I apologize because I think in the last three months, I kind of took my foot off the gas when it comes to life groups. Um, we're going to throw gas on that fire, just so you're aware. Um, currently, right now, we have two life groups, um, and days and times will be on the website if you're interested in that. But I believe that we need to start growing our life groups. If you're currently not part of a life group, I'm going to encourage you to think about starting your own. And if that sounds intimidating for you, I'm going to make it very simple for you. All you need to start a life group is a time and a place. <laughs> you pick the time, you pick the place, and you say, I'm going to host a life group. And I always say it's you plus two. You plus two other people, you have a life group. Congratulations. We have a sermon discussion guide that I send out every week. Everyone who hosts a life group, all you have to do is time and a place, you plus two, and you sit down and you just read the sheet together and you pray about it. And, and I just believe that that's going to happen in this, in, this, in this time. I believe that the way we're at right now, even just in Yankton, we could start five life groups by the end of this month. With the amount of people that aren't currently in life groups that are part of our congregation, we could easily start five life groups, which puts us at seven, which gets us to our goal of ten. By May, I would love to have 10 life groups in this community that are going to be feeding into each other. Because again, when it comes to 200 people, I can't have a relationship with 200 people. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But you can, and you can, and you can. You see how that works? That's how we grow smaller while we get larger at the same time, to help people meet Jesus. And it's so important you understand that. And if you're here and some of you don't live in Yankton, Please hear me. Those, those of you who come from surrounding communities, don't come to Yankton and start a life group. Do it where you're at. I guarantee you there's people around you. You plus two. Find two people and say, hey, I want to start a life group. And I'll say, great, we'll meet together, we'll talk, and I'll give you the resources. And you can start that because this whole region, God didn't just call me to Yankton. God called me to this whole region. And we have people that come from Tyndall and from Nebraska and other places. That's where we need to start reaching people at too as well. And it just comes down to a simple thing, church, again. Are you a taker? Are you a worker? And I just want to remind you of these as we go through this again. Takers complain, workers pray. Pray to the Lord. If you are sitting here today saying, I can't think of anybody, pastor, I'm going to ask you, all you do is pray. Pray and ask God and say, who is someone in my life? God, show them to me. I had a person uh, a while ago say to me, Pastor, I just don't know anybody who doesn't have a church. You know what I told them? They didn't like this answer. I said, you need to find, hang, start hanging out with new people. <laughs> okay? Like, if everybody you know has a church, start hanging out with new people. Because we need to find that. And, and I used the example, again, of this theater. And many of you have heard this story before. When we um, were meeting at Cheers, I started volunteering at this theater. And I only did it for one reason. I want people to meet Jesus. And it, through that, we built relationships, we have conversations, and now we have a lot of people who are part of our church who we knew because of the theater. Do you see how God works through that? And it wasn't part of the master plan. I wasn't thinking, oh, eventually one day we're going to meet here and this is going to be where we meet. That just kind of happened because God's amazing like that. That's what God can do. Pray. And again, I want to say it, not to bring people to church. We want people to meet Jesus. Some of you maybe need to pray about hosting a life group. Again, if you're not part of one, we can help you with that. 
A reminder that a taker tips and a worker ties. For some of you, maybe it's taking that step and saying, yes, I'm going to trust God with a tithe. Test God in this. A taker worries, but a worker trusts. And here's the last thing I want to just, I'm just going to land the plane here because I, I, I just don't want you to miss this. It's so important. I know this can be scary. I know this can be overwhelming. If you would have known me 10 years ago, there's no way you would ever thought that I'd be up here doing what I'm doing right now. And I want to go back to that story about Mr. Rogers. The reason why Mr. Rogers became Mr. Rogers is because somebody looked at him and said, I believe you can do this. The only reason I am here is because I have people in my life that said, Jeff, we believe in you. We know you can do this. There are people who need to know Jesus, and you are the one that can bring them to Christ. And I've shared this story before, but it's worth repeating again. When I felt the call to Yankton, it was as clear as I see you guys looking there. And everybody's like, why Yankton? I'm like, I, God just put it on my heart. Nobody told me, nobody said Yankton. We said, yes, we're going to come to Yankton. I started doing my homework. I started, okay, we're going to move. We started making our plan to go to Yankton. Our district superintendent, Isaac Smith, who had been our district superintendent about 35 years, he came to me and he said, Jeff, I want you to know something. We've been praying for 30 years that God would call someone to go to Yankton. You're an answer to that prayer. And I told Isaac, I said, I'm so glad you didn't tell me that before we decided to move to Yankton because that would be kind of intimidating, right? And this, this last summer when we were out of Rapid City at my ordination, Isaac was there. Isaac has retired since then, but Isaac made that statement again. He said, I've been praying to God for 30 years that God would send somebody to Yankton. And you're the answer to that prayer. It's because people believe in you. And now our district has two churches in Yankton, which I didn't know Aaron was going to be here today, but that's awesome that God did that, right? How cool is that? God has raised up people for such a time as this. And here's what I want to give you. Here's where I want to give it to you. God has given us two hands, okay? And with one hand, this will be the hand, I'm going to hold on to Jesus and I'm going to pretend that my microphone is with Jesus' hand, right? With my one hand, I'm going to hold on to Jesus. And with the other hand, I'm going to grab your hand. And I want to say, let's go together. And if your other hand takes Jesus, if you and I are both holding on to Jesus, and we're both holding on to each other's hands, do you think the gates of hell are going to have anything to say about that? There's no way we can lose. And I know for some of you, that might be too big a step. And please understand, we are a church that exists for people who are far from God. And if you say, listen, I'm not quite ready to take my hand and take Jesus, just take my hand. I'll hold on to Christ, and I'll hold on to your hand. And we'll walk through this together. Because people matter. God has called us. I want to read one more time the words of Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. What do we do? Verse 2. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Would you please ask God, what is he asking of you? Who is someone in your life right now that you can say, listen, I'm going to start praying. And I would encourage you again, if you would text that name to connect it, celebrate, i love to pray with you. And for some of you, like I said, if you're feeling maybe God's calling you to host a life group, let's talk about that. Let's see how that could work. It's, it's, you can do it. I know you can. 
and we'll walk with you and we'll love you with that too because again, the harvest is plentiful. Workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to raise up his workers. Let's pray. God, none of us are worthy to even stand in your presence. Every single one of us have failed. Every single one of us have gone our own way. Yet you loved us enough that you said, not only am I going to call you a child, not only am I going to forgive all of your sins, now I am going to qualify you for ministry to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And for some of us, that means go into your job on Tuesday morning and preach the gospel. For some of you, it means go back to your wayward child and preach the gospel. For some of you, it means go into that neighborhood and preach the gospel. Go into that campground and preach the gospel. Every single one of us have people in our lives who do not know you. And it is our responsibility, God, to decide that we are going to be workers, not takers. And God, I know sometimes we drift between worker and taker and just help us stay on that worker side. Help us to understand that each one of us have an assignment. It's not my job as a pastor. It's all of our jobs as followers of Jesus to be the workers God, we live in a a world that is so thirsty for love, for acceptance. And Jesus, you offer all of that. God, forgive us when we care more about butts in the seat and bucks in the plate than we do hearts committed to you. God, I'm asking that you would flow out your spirit in this community that every person, no matter their denomination, no matter their race, gender, or creed, would stand up and claim the name of Jesus. And that by the power of your spirit, this community would be a light to our region. When we would stand up and we would say, we are going to be workers, we are not going to be takers. The gospel is far too important to entrust to any other way. And God, I know that's a bold vision, but it starts with just one person. And it starts with us making that decision today. And God, whatever that name is that you're putting on anyone's heart right now, I pray that you would help them to share that in Jesus' name. And that we would be prayer partners together for whoever that is. God, thank you for giving me that burden for 200 workers in Yankton, South Dakota. And God, I thank you in advance that you know those names and I don't even know who they are yet. God, I thank you for the the campground ministry and the hundred you're going to raise up there as well that are going to be a light in our community. Jesus, you said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We are begging you to raise up workers to help to bring in the harvest. We thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.